welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today's show is Afghanistan Tragedy, Worse for Veterans and Families Who Sacrificed. We have been um, going through this disaster and feeling very sad and angry and a whole shock, um, a whole bunch of different emotions. And, uh, and, and I just got finished watching Biden give this speech to the, uh, to America that I, I hope I don't, he just, it just ended. So I hope I don't have to, um, leave the, <laughs> leave the show to go throw up because I have been, it's been very hard to avoid doing that. Oh, you know, the lack of feeling, the lack of actual feeling that this man has, especially for veterans. And he did the same thing today, um, just now, uh, that he did at in Dover when the 13 troops came home, the coffins draped in the American flag, and um, he kept looking at his watch, like, is there something more, some place more important that you're supposed to be at than this? It was so rude. The families of the troops, uh, of course, noticed it, and there's been a lot in the media about how awful that was, how, how insulted they were. And also a lot about how he spoke about his son more as if that were more important, his loss, than the loss of these families who lost their sons in Afghanistan and at least one daughter. So um, it's very sad. But today's um, show, we are going to be talking about uh, how veterans feel about this. In other words, it's we're, we're all going through a lot of trauma, seeing this horrific ending to the war, this horrific pullout that could have been, should have been done a lot better. Um, but imagine if you were a veteran and um, you were injured in the war psychologically or physically, um, or if you were a family member, a loved one of a veteran who was lost in the war, and this whole pullout makes it seem as though they gave their lives, gave their, their healthy lives, their wellness for nothing. So my two guests are going to talk to you today about that from um, a closer uh, perspective to it. Um, first, Dr. Lauren Lindner, she's a psychologist who also has a master's in public health. She's the CEO and president of Lockwood Animal Rescue Center, Uh, which is also called Serenity Park Sanctuary. That's another part of it. And then this is where veterans save rescued animals. animals. Uh, I'm so upset from Biden, I can't even talk. Where veterans save rescued animals who in turn save them and help them to heal. She's also the author of a book uh, about her work helping veterans called Birds of a Feather. We also are going to be hearing from Stanley McDonald. He's a 10-year Navy veteran and Navy CB who served in combat in Kuwait during the Gulf War, Desert Storm, and Desert Shield. And he's currently the foreman of the Warrior and Wolves program. We're going to hear, hear all about these programs, but also hear about how the veterans 
are coping with what just happened in Afghanistan. So let's start with Dr. Lindner. Welcome. Good afternoon. Tell us what your experience is, um, what you're hearing from the veterans, what you've been experiencing as a psychologist trying to help the veterans with this whole travesty that's been going on. Well, we are looking for red flags right now for any of our veterans, especially those who served in Afghanistan or Iraq during Operation Enduring Freedom, and we want to be really on the lookout for any signs of isolation, increased use of alcohol or drugs, or any kind of behaviors that don't seem to fit the norm for that person because that person could be at risk. And indeed, from speaking with Af- uh, veterans who have served in Afghanistan, they, many of them are quite devastated by this. What uh, are they telling you? Interestingly enough, there are other veterans who have told us just recently that they expected this, that they thought that once they left there that the, the Taliban was, was going to become a stronger force. And um, they, they were well aware of this. This was something that was sort of common knowledge amongst the, the, the warriors there while they were serving. Um, it was sort of just under the surface. And they're not surprised, but they're still devastated for the, for the people who helped them, who are left behind, who were interpreters, who were um, allies. And they really, um, they're really feeling that. They're feeling like, you know, it could have been them, you know. And they, they are, um, there's, there's a lot of heartbreak and there's a lot of triggering of PTSD symptoms. And we're really going to need to stay on top of that. Fortunately, the VA, the Veterans Administration, has, um, I don't want to say <laughs> for once, <laughs> but have really been on top of it um, with providing resources, with with reaching out to the veterans who served um, in OEF the, um, in Afghanistan, and they have um, they've been providing a great deal of resources and putting uh, uh, many. Um, mental health professionals on the front lines for the veterans right now, especially also as 9-11 approaches, which is one of the reasons why many of the veterans uh, 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 enlisted in, in, in the, in the um, military. So we've got a, a, a combined effect here um, about to happen and also um, just, just the fact that... Um, you know, though we lost those 13 service members. It's just, just tragic. Well, you know, beyond the 13, though, um, I mean, of course, there were many lost during the war, but I'm very interested in what you said about um, how they knew that this was coming or they knew that the Taliban was going to... I mean, in other words, did they, did they know that the Afghans weren't going to be able to or be willing to fight if the Taliban started to come on strong? What it sounded like to me, and I, you know, I'm hearing this anecdotally, is that the veterans 
were, when, when they served there, they felt like the Taliban was just under the surface. And it wasn't so much that the Afghan people were not willing to fight. But, uh, you know, they've been under siege for many, many decades. And there's, there's been many forces wanting to occupy Afghanistan. And, and, and it's one of the reasons why they've become such, you know, strong people. But they, but, but, um, now they don't. They they may not be able to fight against the Taliban. There's a there there are um, you know interested interested people in 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 creating a force to fight against them, but they may not be um, able to right at this time. And they feel like um, that it's it's almost an inevitability that the Taliban are going to take over and at least rule for some time until they're able to build up their forces. Well, but what about when, um, when the, when we, you know, gave, when Biden said that we were going to be moving out, um, going to be leaving, moving troops out, um, you know, I'm talking about, I don't know when this started, a couple of weeks ago, something like that. It seems like it's been going on forever. Um, but, and on the other hand, it seems like it was, you know, overnight. It was certainly too, too short, too, 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 and he did too little too late. But when when it when they first started when the troops first started moving out and started relying on the Afghan military who were trained during all these twenty years, um, I mean, was there a sense like they had been trained? It's it's hard to understand why. I know what you're saying that they were were already exhausted from all the people who came in and tried to take them over and and so on, but. Um, any idea why they didn't, at the beginning at least, um, try to fight to make up for the troops who were leaving? I I don't know. Other than that, it it appears that they were just overwhelmed. Uh, that it was it was um, just a an enormous struggle, and they there were trained forces. Um, but so were the Taliban. They were they were preparing all along, and they um, you know they 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 are showing their force now. But there's got to be a hope that um, with all the experience of the past 20 years and training the Afghan uh, military, that they will they will be able to uh, um, mobilize and and try to fight them back. But it, it's uh, it's a very difficult proposition. There is a lot of at stake in in Afghanistan. There is a great deal at stake there. There's many many resources that people are fighting for in Afghanistan. It's always been a key a key, a key um, you know position uh, to, to to for, for other powers to want to obtain. Uh, Afghanistan mm-hmm. is located you know really in a in, in sort of in a central position and has resources that many people want, including oil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and China and Russia and, um, yes, <laughs> people are ready to rush in. I mean, at this point, without U.S. troops, I don't see how the Afghans, even though they were trained, would have a, a chance at this point. It was only while there were still some some uh, American troops there at the very beginning that, that there was a chance um, for them to at least assist. 
But that didn't really happen. But I do not think we can blame the... Well, I mean, that's what Biden just did. He blamed everybody in his speech just now. He blamed the Afghans for not fighting back. He blamed Trump, of course. He blamed um, uh, just all kinds of... Uh, and he blamed everybody and everything except himself. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that it's... I mean, I don't know that it's fair, really, to blame the Afghans when, yes, it's disappointing that after 20 years they, and all the equipment and everything that they didn't do better. But on the other hand, um, when I mean, it's very demoralizing to see, to hear that the American troops are going to be pulling out. It's one thing if there are a lot of American troops, and they can help. The Afghans can help. But to have, you know, fewer American troops and, and feeling that this is all on their shoulders was obviously a little too much. Yeah, and and in addition, there there were you know preparations. There were preparations made. Um, you know, it's it's not as though they were unaware of this transition, and and preparations were made. But unfortunately, they were also made by the Taliban. Um, I mean, they you know this this has been in the works for quite some time. This was not just. Um, you know, a, a, a sudden operation, but um, unfortunately, um, it, it left a lot of people with, um, you know, desperation in their hearts, and including our own veterans who served there. And it's um, it's pretty um, devastating to to see the effects, not only on the veterans who served during the. Um, Operation Enduring Freedom over there in Afghanistan, but also those who served in Vietnam, because this is a major trigger for all of our, I don't know about all, but many of our Vietnam veterans who went through a very similar experience. And it's, it's just, it's like, you know, here it is happening all over again. Um, and mm-hmm. we're, I, mm-hmm. I just want to be sure that our listeners are are aware of the the many resources that are available, um, and, and and please do go to va.gov for for um, a list of these and 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 to be to avail yourself to to any of this help. I I don't want to see an increase in in the suicide rate of veterans right now. This is this would just add to this to this tragedy. Yes, because it's, a, it's taking away their identity. Those people who um, fought in I Afghanistan, especially if they were wounded, um, you know, this was their identity. This was what they, they, they ran into the military to protect America, and whatever wounds, psychological or physical, they had, this was their identity. They were proud of what they did. And then in one swell poop... <laughs> Biden takes this whole thing away and makes it a huge embarrassment. Um, well, well I know that, uh, yeah, I, um, I, you know, I would love to stay for this, the rest of this program. This, you, you bring up points that no one else is really talking about um, that I've heard, and I really uh, wish I could spend the rest of this hour with you, uh, Dr. Carroll, and I... Um, uh, it's a work day. But her patients are calling. <laughs> yes, her patients are yes, calling, yes. so we will give her leave, and we may well have you back on as more uh, disaster happens. I mean, the one thing, I just want to say one thing, which is, um, 
especially like in his speech and just in general, uh, the problem is that Biden doesn't have a clue, and you would think his advisors might have one, but obviously not. He doesn't have a clue about the mind of terrorists and about how this is not just, it's not just going to be the 13 coming home in a box. It's going to be Americans on American soil. Um, who are going to be coming home to their home in America in a box. I mean, you're right here. In other words, there are going to be terror attacks. This is going to be a, this is the green light for terror attacks. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lindner, for joining us and for doing the work that you do um, at the uh, Serenity Park and so on. Um, for, for years she's been doing this. And she doesn't just take a war in Afghanistan <laughs> or a, uh, or, you know, a, a, a screwed-up ending of the war in Afghanistan to get her into the act. Uh, she's been doing this for years, so thank you. And now we're going to take well, a break, and we're going to hear... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I wanted to say thank you, and I'm leaving you in good hands with our foreman, who also works with our veterans and is a veteran himself, Stanley McDonald. So yes. thank you. Yes. Okay. And now we're going to take a break... And when we come back, we will be back with Stanley McDonald. So stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Um, we are talking today about Afghanistan, the Afghanistan tragedy, which is worst for veterans and their families who sacrificed. Um, where this is uh, 
we're doing the show right now. It just so happened that this is right after Biden gave his speech about ending the war in Afghanistan. And it was a pretty um, outrageous speech, blaming everybody but himself, um, (laughs) explaining, you know, trying to say why he did the right thing and pulling out the way he did. And, of course, there was nothing right about it. And talking about some of the things that people have said um, about that we should have stayed in or, um, you know, kept kept the people on the ground, the troops on the ground who were there, who were at least keeping things um, under control. And just just really talking about his own son, instead, who did not, by the way, die, who was not a, he did not die because he w- was fighting in a war-torn country. His son died of cancer. So it is such a, a ruse that he's putting on the public, you know, trying to say that, like, his son was a hero. I mean, excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry for his son dying of cancer, but it has nothing to do with veterans. So let me introduce um, my next guest. He is Stanley McDonald. He's a 10-year Navy veteran and Navy CB who served in combat in Kuwait during the Gulf War, Desert Storm, and Desert Shield. He's currently the foreman of the Warrior and Wolves program and um, certainly has been chatting with his fellow veterans about what's been going on. So welcome to the show, Stanley. Thank you. So first, why don't we start with you, your feeling first. How did this whole um, fiasco, this whole, uh, you know, uh, retreat from Afghanistan, retreating, making Biden, making American troops retreat and losing the war on terror, how has that been affecting you? Actually, it's no big surprise because if people have been paying attention, this has been in the works for well well over a year, ever since Pompeo, Pompeo actually held a meeting with the Taliban about, you know, removing the U.S. troops. And during that meeting, they didn't involve the Afghan government then, so we knew at that time that the Taliban was just going to take back over. Hmm. And that's the yeah, feeling of many veterans way. I've talked to. Uh-huh. They knew as soon as, we, as soon as we left the U.S. that we were going to be, they were, Taliban was going to be back in charge. How we left, because, that was a disaster. Uh-huh. Yes. Excuse me? So in other words, so in other words um, what you're saying is that because the uh, Afghan government wasn't involved in this meeting, it showed that the United States didn't think that the Afghans or Afghan government was going to be a player, was going to be important um, when Americans pulled out. Exactly. They, when they didn't involve the Afghan government, they hadn't stalled, you know. That told the people straight off that, okay, they kind of knew it wasn't going to happen anyway. Hmm. Now, hmm. the way they pulled out he- was a disaster. You know, like Lawrence said, it reminds a lot of Vietnam veterans of the same thing that happened in Vietnam. You know, you didn't uh-huh. help the people that helped you. Yes. But, you know, and both Trump and Biden both are at fault, not just one. And most of the veterans, you know, they harden themselves not just to war, 
but they harden themselves to what's going to happen after. Hmm. You know, because most of us know as soon as you get out of the military, you're, you know, they don't want nothing really to do with you anymore. You're basically what's considered a consumable item in the military. Once you're done using it, you just throw it away. Hmm. And so, you know, they, well, veterans do kind of harden themselves to that fact. And that is what a lot of PTSD comes from, because that's where you get the feeling that there is going to be no help. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. um, well, you know, I know you were saying before about um, that they blame Biden and Trump. Um, but the thing is, the reason why I don't, I mean, yes, maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't necessarily a great idea when Trump met with the Taliban and, and not with the Afghan government and, and, uh, started and made a date. However, the difference is that if Trump would have started to pull out on the date that he said, or any date, um, he would have realized, and he would have had military men, generals and so on, um, who would have realized that this is not going to go well, probably in the first day, and would have sent a ton more troops back in to reestablish the balance, to reestablish things to the way they were. He wouldn't have continued to let things go from bad to worse. Well, I'd say the thing is, from the moment they had that meeting, that's when the Taliban started preparing the Afghan government counted too much on the milita- U.S. military. Mm. They got the training, yes, but training does not work all of a sudden. I mean, it takes, they would have to been involved completely, 100%, instead of just learning how to do it. They had been doing it while we watched them do it, which is not necessarily uh-huh. the case. You know, you can train a person for years to do a job, but then all of a sudden when that job gets there and there's a problem that occurs, you've never dealt with that problem, so you really don't know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But as for our feelings, yeah, the Taliban was always going to be back in charge. They have since 90, they were, what, six years before 2000, you know, September 11th, 2001. And they've always been in the background. They've never been defeated. ISIS was never really defeated. None of them were really defeated. Yeah, they were beat, but they were not defeated. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's true. Um, So what are people... So, well, first, tell us a little bit about what you do as the foreman of the Warrior and Wolves program. Well, as the foreman of the Warriors and Wolves program, what we try to do is when we bring veterans in, we try to help help them find a little peace and calm. Because you're so wrapped tight and you're so worried about things and you're upset, you're not sure, you try to just ease them into things. Let them know that, you know, when you're here, you're safe. Nobody's going to mess with you. Nobody's going to hurt you. And then you start Uh easing them into taking care of animals and learning trust again. It's a very, it's actually a hard process to explain, but it's actually very involved. 
It's not something that happens overnight. Like as for me, you know, it took a long time. Yeah. You when know, did first you start- first come? In, when did you first come into the Warrior and Wolf program before you became foreman? But when did you first come into the program? I started it. And I helped. I was here when it started. Ah, Back and in how, 2009. when was that? 2009. Uh-huh. Yes. I actually worked for Dr. Linder when I was part of New Directions down at the West LABA. You know, it was a drug and alcohol program for veterans. And uh-huh. they hired veterans from there to work at the parrot sanctuary down at the VA, and I started working for them then. And then they got Wolf Dog and moved up here and started this, and I moved up here with them and started it. So I actually started with parrots learning how to live again. And then it just kind of transitioned to parrots and wolves, and now it's coyotes and foxes too, and it's just, <laughs> it's basically it's animal therapy. And while I've tried other therapies in the world, nothing works as great as this. Hmm. I mean, because you learn to trust, and, you learn to earn trust. I mean, it's one of okay, the greatest programs there ever was. Yes, I've been up to the um, sanctuary. To the, well, I've been to the yeah. to the VA uh, uh, parrot sanctuary, and then I yeah. was at um, I've been at Lockwood at uh, well at Lockwood, you know, the warrior. Where the warrior and wolves are, um, the wolves yes. are amazing. I mean, I will—I must say, you know, you, it's hard to believe uh, at first that they are so tame and loving and kind of like dogs. Except I don't want to give people the wrong impression because that's what sometimes happens, no, as you know. They're, yeah, people, they're definitely not dogs. <laughs> yes, people think it's cool to have a wolf. <laughs> You know, and uh, even a yeah. uh, wolf dog, and uh, yeah, then we that's find a, out that's a whole different that's a whole different topic there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so that's how you get some of the rescued ones, actually, right? But start with oh, uh, yes. the, when you were with the start with when you were with the parrots. Um, can you explain to people? I know it's hard, but like, what did you, what what kind of a um, process did you go through? In other words, wh- how did you feel at first when you joined the parrot sanctuary, and how did how did they help you, the parrots? Well, you got to figure first. Like I said, I was in a drug and alcohol program. I spent many years, you know, in a bottle. But after I'd sobered up for a while and I started working down there, you know, most it's like these animals. You know, they were scared of you. They stayed away. They stayed away, but over time, you just start, you know, every day you go in there, something changes. They start realizing you're not going to leave, and they start coming to you. And then you slowly earn their trust while, you know, you're learning to trust them. Because I don't know if you've ever been bit by a bird, but it does hurt. But, you know, there's a certain <laughs> amount of trust that's earned between you and that animal. And, it's, like I said, it's hard to explain, but it helps you learn to trust again. Which is uh-huh. something you definitely lose, you know, once you get out of the military. In the military, it's all about trust. Trusting the guy next to you, the girl next to you. You know, because you know they have your back and no problems. But when you get out of the military, you don't have that anymore. 
I hate to say it, but the civilian yeah. world's just full of people that love to backstab. They're all out for themselves. In the military, you're used to working as a unit where, you know, you have somebody always there with you. Uh-huh. And then when you get out and you come back, you can't talk to civilians because they honestly don't believe exactly what you've been through. They can't comprehend it. Yeah. You know, sure, they watch they watch their movies and everything, and they're like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I'm a badass. No problem. Well, it's <laughs> not like that, really. Yeah, and I was just going to ask you that. To... That people, people must think it's like the movies. Yeah. That's why if you know, notice combat veterans really don't talk about what they've been through because mm-hmm. we waste our breath if we do. It's a waste mm-hmm. of time. You're just going to sit there with that look on your face like, yeah, sure, okay. Even uh-huh. if you don't mean to, you do. So, yeah. you know, they set, you shut down and you just keep it all inside. Yeah, and you either learn how to release it somehow or it builds up and, you know, just kills you in the long run. Whereas working with animals... Uh-huh. Earning that trust again and learning how to trust again is, to me, what it's about. Mostly on the learning how to trust, which is the hardest part because, you know, that's just something I'm still not through. And I've been Uh sober for 14 years. Well, that's great. Unfortunately, I have an innate distrust for the human race. uh Uh-huh. So... So now tell us about the... Go ahead. The wolves? Yeah. You want to tell about the wolves? Well, the wolves is... Okay, you think about it. The wolves are a lot like the veterans. The wolf dogs are part wolf, part domestic dog. Otherwise, they don't belong in either world. Whereas a veteran, the same. He no longer belongs in the military, Uh but he doesn't belong in the civilian world either. You know, so you uh-huh. kind of make a connection. You know, you kind of make a connection with them. It's almost like they can sense that you're a lot like them. You know, mm-hmm. and you got to work slow with them. They're scared of you as you are them. So you eventually just slowly but build it, build trust. You know, and once you make that connection, it's like a bell goes off and say, huh, imagine that. You know, it just makes you realize uh-huh. that. You know, it can be done if you're willing to work at it. Uh huh. So, so, um, so, what do you do with the veterans in the war in the Warriors and Wolves program? Like, what is your job as the foreman? As the foreman, I basically just start them out. You know, like, okay, let's go try to do the easy things. Let's start them out with birds and let them work with the birds and let them see how that goes. Then you move them up to something else and something else, and you watch them. Watch what they enjoy doing, you know, because not everybody likes working with wolves. Not everybody likes working with coyotes or birds. You know, everybody picks their own thing. You just got to watch. And once you see what they like, once you see what they like to do, then you kind of nurture that. You know, which animal do you uh-huh. like? And, like, one thing we insist on is everybody goes in and socializes with the animals. 
because it's not only good for the animal, but it's good for the person, too. And what do you mean by that? What what, did they, what does socializing mean? What what do you have the veterans do? Have them go in there and just sit down. Let the animal come up to them. Pet them. You know, earnest trust. Once you get that trust, and you've been working at this for months, and that animal finally comes up to you and lets you touch it, you know, it's just, like I said, it's like a bell goes off and says, wow, look what I did. You know, and uh-huh. then it took months to do, but... When it happens, you don't realize that it actually happened faster than you think it did. And it wasn't as hard as you think it is. It just takes time. And it helps get Uh you out of your head. It helps you get out of your head where all your problems are. And once you can get out of your head and learn that, hey, every problem has a solution. And like working with wolf dogs, you've got to figure out what the problem is, and but what's the solution also. And what I try to do is just help them find a solution to what their problem is. It's, like so I said, it's very difficult. It's easier, to, it's easier to show than it is to do because you just sit back and you watch and you learn. You, you get up to learn every animal is what I tell them. Spend time watching uh-huh. them. Watch how they move. Watch how they act. Watch how they react. And I tell them it's because if you, the more you learn that animal, the more you can see if it's injured or something. But that's not necessarily true. That is true in a way because you can. But once they learn that animal and its movements and behaviors, then they kind of emulate it and they know how to react to that animal, and that animal feels more comfortable around them. Mm. Now, like I said, it's mm-hmm. just very difficult to explain how it works, but it does. And so what else do you have them do with the animals besides socialize with them? I mean, don't they oh. have certain responsibilities, right? Oh, absolutely. They've got to be fed every day. Their water barrels have got to be scrubbed and cleaned and refreshed. You've got to do poop pickup. You've got to, you know, clean out their houses. You know, there's regular chores, too. It's not all about just playing with animals. It's <laughs> a full-time job. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it gives you a sense of responsibility and a sense of, you know, hey, I can learn things. Yeah. Now, once you learn to become responsible for something else and get out of your own way, then, you know, it helps you to grow and learn how to live in the real world. Mm -hmm. That's possible to, you know, work in the real world. Well, you know, I, I would ask you another question, but we have to take another break, so I don't want you to get interrupted in the middle. But we will oh, take okay. a break, and then we will come back with my guest, Stanley McDonald. We've been talking about the Warrior and Wolves program. And um, if you know veterans, I mean, I'll say this at the end, too, but if you are a veteran or you know veterans um, and you live in California... Uh, you should check into this. I mean, you should check into it anyway because they can, oh, there are other ways that you can help. But anyway, right now we need to take a break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and we will be right back. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about the Afghanistan tragedy, and by that I mean the tragic way that the troops were pulled out haphazard, too hasty, unplanned, um, unless, of course, there is a plan afoot that we're just not being told. You know, in other words, if there was a plan afoot to make it a disaster for uh, other reasons, political reasons, then they did a great job. But if it was to, uh, but in terms of history and what America is supposed to do and, um, and, of course, in particular, it's a tragedy for veterans and for families of uh, troops who died, service members who died and or were injured, and certainly veterans who were injured either psychologically or physically or who sacrificed, even if they weren't injured, sacrificed these years of their lives that um, to, do so, to protect America, and then at the very end, after 20 years, uh, for the President of the United States to exit in this embarrassing, humiliating way with our tails between our legs, um, it, it's just, uh, it, it just makes people feel like, what was the point? It makes people feel emba- embarrassed about be, having been in the war rather than proud. You know, let me ask you that. Uh, I guess, let me, let me reintroduce my guest Stanley McDonald, he's a 10-year Navy veteran and Navy CB who served in combat in Kuwait during the Gulf War, in Desert Storm, and in Desert Shield. And he's currently the foreman of the Warrior and Wolves program at um, Lockwood Animal Rescue Center. So um, what I want to know what, you, uh, what you're hearing from veterans who served in Afghanistan are are they angry at how Biden pulled out? Are they uh, humiliated? Is, or do they not want to tell people that they were in the service uh, in Afghanistan because of how the embarrassing way in which we left? And what what are people talking about? What are the veterans talking about? 
Well, most of the veterans that I have talked to, they'll never be embarrassed about serving over there because they did their job. You know, they did what they were told. Some of them, you know, the way we pulled out, no, are not happy with it. You know, it should have took a long time to pull out. It shouldn't have just been grab everything and run. You know, that is a shameful way to leave. But, you know, the way a lot of veterans look at it is, hey, I did my job. I did what I could. You know, now they got to face the fact of what, you know, the way the current president did it. You know, he jumped out without even thinking. And, you know, but to veterans, it's not a big surprise because, like I said before, the government doesn't really back veterans anyway. But, yeah, a lot of them are angry, but none of them are surprised. Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, what about, are they talking about um, what this is going to mean? Like, for example, about the fact that now um, it is much more likely we're going to have more 9-11s, not necessarily in that exact same manner, but certainly more terror attacks in the United States. Well, a lot of us, yeah, we do agree that it's going to happen. There's no doubt about it. It's going to happen. Because, you know, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS, they're basically all one and the same. Uh-huh. Yeah, just different. They're just different levels of extremist groups. So it's going to happen. They have a little more free hand to do it. But... Like I said, withdrawing, it was either going to happen now or it's going to happen later. Because you're never going to, you know, change a country that was born on extremist ideas. You know, that's ran by extremist ideas. You're not going to change them by having a war. By keeping them under control, maybe. But but eventually we did have to, you know, eventually we did have to pull out. That's always been understood because... We can't keep a U.S. force there forever because eventually they would have been attacked. You know, because you can't just well, force people but, to live the way you want them to live. But the U.S. Room. but the U.S. troops and the U.S. equipment were so superior to what the Taliban and the Al Qaeda and ISIS had that if we stayed there with a certain number, like we had, I mean, it was it was. Um, uh, it, things weren't happening. Bad things weren't happening before we started to pull out. There seemed to be like a, a balance that people were staying the way they were. Uh, maybe I'm uh, not saying that would have been that way forever. I know people. A lot of people. I know a lot of people say we should leave U.S. troops there. But one question for you and whoever's listening. Do we have the right to ask our soldiers to live in a constant state of fear of dying? Because that's the way they would be the whole time they're over there. They would be under a constant threat of attack. And well, isn't that what you were that, under? Absolutely. Didn't you? I mean, when you were in that, the Gulf War, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, how many years, first of all, were you in the military? I was in the military for 10 years. Okay, so but did, I was, didn't you feel like I, you were going while, while you're in combat, yes, you are under the constant fear of being attacked. You know, you know it's eventually going to happen. 
and you take that as part of your job. And if we leave troops over there, they will take it the same way. They're like, this is my job. This is what I got to do. But it doesn't change the fact that we're asking our military to live like that. You know, so it's a two-edged sword. Should we say yes, but should we ask our troops to live like that? Okay, but what about when you... But But wait, when you were in the military, um, you didn't have to stay in... Yes, but I mean, you didn't have to stay in for 10 years. You wanted to, because I presume because you felt proud of the work you were doing. Yes. You know, it is It is true. When you're in the military, you're over there, it's your job, and you're going to do it. That's what you were trained to do. You were trained to follow orders, and that's what you're going to do. And if it's under threat, you're going to do it. But I'm just saying, it's going to cause damage. You know, whether you're, you know, this is your job. This is what you're told to do. But why? Why are we doing it? But the you know, there's a lot of questions. Work. There's a lot of questions people don't ask, you know. See, they're not concerned about the state of the mind of our troops over there. They're concerned about protecting us from terrorist attacks. And in the long yeah. run, is us leaving people over there going to save us from terrorist attacks? No, it's not. We're still going to be attacked by terrorists no matter what happens. It's just a matter of timing of when. That's my opinion, by the way, not everybody's. But well, I'm just okay, saying, you know, people, people are not taking in the mind into the... They're not taking in the individual soldier's mindset. Yeah. You know, everybody's yes, like, they're just- well, we need to leave them. We need them to leave them our guys over there to protect us here in the United States. Okay, well, Okay. how are we protecting our guys over there? Okay, but the guys who are over there have volunteered to be in the military at this point. Absolutely it's not a draft. It's not a draft, but you know, most of our military, it consists of young men and women that had no other choice. That's what they had to do to better themselves. You know, they didn't come out of, you know, uh, great families and everything like that. Sure, there are some of those there, too. But like myself, the reason I joined the military is because I couldn't stand where I was at at home. And my only option out was the military. But when I got in, I liked it. I liked it because it had structure. It had meaning. It had, you know, reason behind it. Uh-huh. And, yeah, you go through a lot to get to that, but you also think of a lot, or I do as a veteran when I get out, do we have the right to ask people, you know, who volunteered to go into the military, yes, but to live under constant danger for a year at a time, two years at a time, you know, and do a rotation deployment where, you know, like in the CVs, you're overseas for six to nine months at a time, then you come back home. Do something like that instead of moving a unit and leaving them for a year. But even yeah. then, things are going to get unorganized. They're going to get confusing. 
It's just there's no easy way out of it. Could they took their time pulling out? Yes. They absolutely could have. They didn't have to go by the date that was decided a year ago when we were going to pull out. No. And they didn't have to pull out all at once. No. They could have set up. They could have learned from Vietnam saying, hey, let's get this organized. Let's get the people who helped us safe. That's what bothers the veteran. All those people over there, the civilians who helped us, who did, you know, translating for us, who supplied us with stuff, we abandoned them. And that's not what the military is about. We don't abandon those who help. Yes, that's leave the no hardest, one behind. That's the hardest. Yeah, that's the hardest thing for the veteran to take is abandoning those people over there to certain death. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, we have the come hard to the part. end of our show. Yes, I can understand that. We have come to the end of our time here, <laughs> at least this, for the show. <laughs> not, not, not uh-huh. our life, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted, I want to make sure that I have time to give out two websites. One is LockwoodArc.org, which is L-O-C-K Wood, W-O-O-D, all one word, Lockwood. ARC, A-R-C, and it stands for Animal Rescue, um, Animal Lockwood Rescue, Animal Rescue Center. Center, that's the word, yes. Lockwood, yes. A-R-C, Animal Rescue Center, dot com, and um, that you will also be able to find out about the Warriors and Wolves program uh, that my guest is the foreman of. And then also another uh, website that you should be aware of is what Dr. Linder talked about, which is va.gov, veteransadministration.gov. And they have whole lists of um, where you can get services. You know, if this is, uh, well, it's in general, really, if any, if any veterans are having problems, um, and certainly, of course, now it's more likely because of what happened in Afghanistan, they have whole lists of services all over the United States um, for where you can get help. So, thank you very much, Stanley uh, McDonald, for, for not only for being on the show and for giving us some insights into the mind of a veteran, but also for doing this amazing work that you're doing uh, at Lockwood with um, Warriors and Wolves. Uh, you know, it's so interesting. When you were talking before, I was thinking to myself, like you were talking about having a job in, in being in the service and um, how how fulfilling it was, in a sense, help, helping people and, and all of that. And now you know, you're really lucky because now you're also having a job where you're serving your country, in a sense, you're serving the veterans and, uh, and feel, being able to feel good about it. So thank you. And thank oh, you all I'm for this. Absolutely. Luckiest man on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, that's great. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 